You are listening to the weekly sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church in Canton, South Dakota. We're a church that strives to make disciples of Jesus Christ who make a difference. To learn more, visit us at cantonsdumc.org. And now, here's Pastor Clay. Our scripture this morning comes to us from the Gospel of Luke in chapter 24. This is the continuation of a story we've been reading together for the past couple of weeks. Uh, This is the next segment from verses 25, 26, and 27. Then Jesus said to the two disciples, How foolish you are! How slow you are to believe everything the prophet said! Was it not necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And Jesus explained to them what was said about himself in all the scriptures, beginning with the books of Moses and the writings of the prophets. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, may the meditation of our hearts this morning and may the words of my mouth be holy and may they be a blessing to you. May we be strengthened by your word, nourished by our time together and empowered to go forth and share the story of your love with all the world. In your name we pray. Amen. So like many elder millennials, I am a big fan of the work of Dr. Brene Brown. She bills herself as a researcher slash storyteller, and among her accolades are giving two of the most popular TED Talks, one on vulnerability and the other on shame. She's also written six books that have reached the top of the New York Times bestseller list. She is the CEO of her own company called The Daring Way. Uh, She currently, in all of her free time, is a visiting professor at University of Texas in Austin in the area of business, and she is a tenured professor in social work at the University of Houston. The reason why she is popular with my age demographic is because of her laid-back approach. It also has something to do with her sarcasm and her humor and the fact that she shares stories from her data. So her teaching style is to teach without you even realizing that you're learning as you listen to her tell different stories. In one of her books, Rising Strong, she kind of tips her hand a little bit and leverages her own presentation style by revealing why it works. And it works because our minds are wired for story. Our minds are wired for story. She writes that from a very young age, we can recognize the structure of story, beginning, middle, and end. And we saw that wiring on full display during the children's sermon because they know stories, beginning, middle, and end. We like stories. We do. We like stories so well, and our brains are so wired for story, that even in the absence of all the information we can come up with a story. Whether that story is true or not is immaterial, but we can come up with a story. There is a story that we tell ourselves. Our brains have filled in the gap of what we do not know, and that is enough for our brains to be satisfied. Even if the story is true or not, we know the story. And Renee Brown calls those stories that we tell ourselves stormy first drafts, or SFDs, stormy first drafts. 
As we return to the story of Emmaus, as we return to the story of these two disciples walking with this unknown traveler, they share their SFD, their stormy first draft, with him. And it leads us to ask the question, and kind of as a way of a reviewing, what is it that we know about this story? What is it that we know that the disciples know? We know that on the late on the day of resurrection, these two disciples are walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It's about seven and a half miles on their travels. As they're traveling, they're talking with one another about the events of the previous day, and then they are joined by an unknown traveler. We know the story, right? We know that the unknown traveler is who? Thank you. We know that the unknown traveler is Jesus, but they don't know that. So despite the fact that they are operating from incomplete information, they share the story of the past few days with Jesus. They share their stormy first draft. Their minds have filled in where they do not know, and as would be expected, they are starting to attach meaning to the story that they are telling themselves. In the face of incomplete information, in the state of working from a stormy first draft, Brene Brown would invite the disciples to dig in, to reckon with their emotions, and to get curious about how and why they are feeling the way that they are feeling. So despite, so let's do that for them. Despite the disciples not being among the 12 named disciples of Jesus, they are still disciples. They still know some things, but they don't know all the things. And so it's reasonable for us to expect and to understand that they might not know everything. It's reasonable for us to assume that they may have missed some of the information. They may have missed Jesus' teaching about the betrayal that, was, that happened. They may have missed Jesus' teaching about the arrest and the death that, that occurred. They may not know that a resurrection is coming. They don't have that. And so they make up a story that makes sense to them. And the story that they're making up, the story that they're telling themselves, is that all hope is lost. The story that these disciples are telling themselves is that all hope is lost. And given the information that they have at hand, given what they know, they have every reason to believe that. They have every reason to believe that. They have every reason to be downcast, every reason to be sad, every reason to feel a little bit broken. Last week, we discussed some possible conversations uh, topics that they would have had on the road. We talked about how these disciples would have maybe discussed who exactly is this Jesus. They may have discussed what exactly were his motivations in saying the things that he said. But this morning gives us another one, and that is, did we just waste three years of our lives? They've been following Jesus this entire time. Did they just waste all that time? 
And without the hope of the resurrection, without knowing that that was coming, it may have seemed that way. The disciples may have felt completely hoodwinked or bamboozled by this guy that promised to be the Messiah. And now on this day, their hopes and their dreams are shattered. It's in the scripture we read last week, but there is a poignant and wistful and bewildered regret in the voice of the disciples as, he sa- as they say, we really hoped he'd be the one to redeem Israel. But he wasn't. And then he adds that it has been three days since all of these things took place, as if to suggest that the story is over. What we hear from these disciples, what we hear in this scripture, is the story of those, the words of those whose hopes are dead and buried. The story that these two disciples are telling themselves is that the story is over. And that's the point where Jesus responds. This is the point where the unknown traveler responds and helps them to consider the larger story, helps them to consider what exactly it is that they know about who God is. The unknown traveler fills in the gaps of their stormy first draft. As it says in Scripture, he explained to those disciples everything that it said about himself in Scripture. This means that Jesus would have taken these two disciples all the way back to what we now call the book of Exodus, all the way back to the time when God understood and heard of their cruel treatment in Egypt and sent Moses to deliver. And Jesus helped them see, helped the disciples see, how Jesus just did that on the cross, but in a much bigger sense. Jesus would have taken these two disciples all the way back to the prophet Isaiah, who says that because of our sins he was wounded. He was beaten because of the evil that we did. We are healed by the punishment that he suffered and made whole by the blows he received. Jesus would have helped these disciples see the connection. Jesus would have taken these disciples to a different Old Testament prophet, uh, to the prophet of Haggai, who says that on that day I will make you Zerubbabel my servant and I will appoint you to rule in my name. You are the one that I have chosen. The Lord Almighty has spoken. I don't know if you know this, but Zerubbabel is a descendant of David, the guy that that Sophia was telling us about during the children's sermon. Zerubbabel was in the line of David, and David is the ancestor of Jesus. Jesus is painting a picture for these two disciples of how the whole story works together. Jesus is painting a picture in our scripture that tells the disciples that these things had to happen. The story that Jesus is telling the disciples, and not only telling the disciples, but telling all of us, is that these things had to happen. That it had to unfold this way. That Jesus' glory was only achieved through the cross and through the resurrection, and it's only in these things that the world sees him as he is. The world sees him as Messiah. 
See, the story that Jesus is telling these disciples, the story that Jesus shares with these disciples is a story that started a long time ago. It's a story of promises made. It's a story of faithfulness. It's a story of disobedience and God's work and human response. It's a story that underscores the fact that these disciples lived through these traumatic events, but these traumatic events had to happen. They were a part of God's plan for deliverance. The story that Jesus is telling these disciples and the story that Jesus is telling you and me this morning is that the story isn't over. The story that Jesus is telling the disciples and all of us is that what they have seen and experienced is not the end of their hope, but it is the beginning. It's not the end of their hope, it's the beginning. So let me ask you this question this morning. What is the story that you're telling yourself? What is your stormy first draft? Working from the information that you have available to you today, right now, is your hope alive? Is your hope alive? The reality is, is that we all have stories like those disciples. We all have stories of heartache, of hard times, of hurt, and of hopelessness. We all have these stormy first drafts that require our curiosity and digging to verify. And so Jesus' words to the disciples are words that are for you. The story is not over. The story isn't over. You have a hope that is firmly established in the truth of Scripture. You have a hope that is firmly established in Jesus' life. You have a hope that is firmly established in the enduring promise that Jesus made to be with us always. And who is it in your life once you get to a place of operating for more complete information, we have the opportunity to help other people navigate their own stormy first drafts. Last week we talked about Jesus listening to the disciples, and this week he responds. And we talked about the way that he listened and being so open and just letting them tell their story no matter how incomplete it was. This week he responds. He responds by sharing with them the story of Scripture. He responds with telling them the story of his life and his death so that they could understand what was going on around them. He helped them move past their stormy first draft and know the full story. So who is it in your life? Who do you know that is operating from incomplete information? Who do you know that is stuck in a stormy first draft? 
as we share the road with people, we also share the story with people. And we share the whole story, not just the stormy first draft. Would you pray with me? Risen Jesus, you meet us in so many different ways and in so many different places, and we are truly thankful. We are thankful that you are traveling on the road with us, that you are our refuge and strength, and that through your life and ministry, we understand God better. That work did not change in your death. That work became bigger in your resurrection, and so we come to you today from wherever we have been. We come to you in the midst of our own stormy first drafts, looking for, looking for the full story, looking to you. And so find us and tell us the full story. Remind us of our hopefulness that is found in you. And then as we think of the world around us, as we see others stuck in a stormy first draft, inspire us to share what we have received so that all may come to know, love, and serve you better. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church. Join us in person or online at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning for worship. And now go in peace and serve the Lord. I want to encourage you after the message to head over to our YouTube channel and click the subscribe button. Over on YouTube, you will find videos of our entire worship service, a video cast of our weekly Cut for Time conversation with Pastor Clay and Eric, songs from our praise band One Way Up, and a bunch of other great things as well. Just search for Canton United Methodist Church. It would mean a lot to have you subscribe.